good evening everybody. How we doing? Welcome to Wednesday night service. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord on Wednesday night together? Amen. We're going to have a great time uh, tonight, man. The kids are all starting school in the next few days. Uh, some have already started school. So uh, summer as we know it on summer vacation mode is winding down, but we still maybe have a little while of the heat left. So praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up just like we always do by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and we will keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. So let's go ahead and speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight. And you may be seated. All right. Well, Pastor Josh is in Denver for the evening. His uh, company wanted him to have dinner, so they flew him up there. So Alex is going to be leading worship tonight. Let's hear it for Alex. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Well, uh, we got a few things coming up here that we want to go over real quick. And the big one is this Friday is the HDWC pool party. Let's go. Amen. So, uh, it's from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Henderson Pool, and we want to see everybody there, okay? So, make sure you're there, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. It's no cost to you. Just come on out, and uh, we got a, a couple of things here. Um, minors, if they're under the age of 18, need to be accompanied by an adult, so we don't want any little guys just running around uh, without adult supervision there. And uh, modest swimwear, all right? Who thinks that sounds just like a great idea? I know. <laughs> modest is the hottest. That's what we're talking about. So be modest and uh, and let's have a phenomenal time. Uh, last year was just one of the coolest things ever. It was so fun. And uh, as we have mentioned, while we were swimming at Henderson Pool, our sanctuary was becoming a pool because we had a leak. And so it was all on that magical evening that all of that occurred. Uh, yeah. So uh, this year, no leaks in the church. Who's with me on that? No more leaks. Amen. That was a fun six months of whatever. So uh, who remembers the porta-potties? You know, throwback. Anyone? Yeah, some of you weren't here yet. Uh, we were blessed. We had the nicest porta-potties on this end of Barstow for six months. People loved it. Um, I don't know. No, they didn't. Okay, especially the ladies really didn't like it, and they let me know. And I appreciate you ladies for your honesty. So anyway, uh, pool party, Friday, 6 to 8 p.m., Henderson Pool. Be there or be square, all right? And then this Sunday, 
Sunday, uh, we're going to be doing our back to school service on Sunday morning, where we are going to be praying for all of the students uh, of High Desert Word Center that are going back to school, all of the teachers and school employees. Uh, we do this every year. We want to pray over them as they head into the new school year, that they're going to have the best school year yet, and uh, it's, they'll, they'll be safe, and that they'll learn and do a great job. Amen. So make sure that uh, you're here this Sunday for that. It's going to be awesome. And also, there's no men's meeting uh, this Saturday. Uh, we just got a little bit too many events going on. I've got a funeral going on in here and a couple other things. So uh, just uh, it's not going to work out for this month. But hey, September, men, let's be ready because it's going to be an incredible men's meeting. Who believes it? Amen. I believe it. Yeah. Amen. All right. Good answer. Survey says. Good answer. All right. Yeah. All right. So praise God. Well, that's what's going on right now. And as we start getting in uh, past the start of school and into fall time, we know that that's the busy season around here. So be ye ready for what is coming down the pike in the next little bit. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to have pastor come on up for our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. Who knows what time it is now? It is happy time. Amen. All right. If you need an envelope, Dave would love to give you one. So would Walter. Amen. They love that. Hallelujah. Somebody say fool party. I mean fool party. <laughs> All right, it's going to be fun for somebody, but Mrs. Pastor, I got our own lake we swim in, so I don't know what to say sometimes. All right. Open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I don't know about you, but I'd love to hear Jesus talking to me. And the best way I know for Jesus to talk to me is to read the Bible. And then when I read the Bible and I get the Bible into my heart, coming out of my mouth, no matter what I face in life, the words of Jesus always come back to me and speak to my heart and show me what to do. But Matthew chapter 6, uh, I, I want to look at verse 31. I'm going to read verse 31 to 33. And then say a couple of things that I believe will help you. And so this chapter here basically is about people that are wondering what they're going to do about, about money, what they're going to do about things, things they need, and people get worried. I don't know about you, but before I was a Christian, I worried about everything. And then when I found out that Jesus was real, I quit worrying. Does that mean you never were tempted to worry? Yes, all the time. Temptation comes, but we're supposed to resist the temptation to worry. And we can only do that with faith in Jesus. Amen? And faith in Jesus, faith in his word. He says, therefore, take no thought, no anxious thought. Take no anxious thought. How do you take an anxious thought? What's the next word? What's he say? Saying. When those thoughts hit your head, they're not your thoughts until you start speaking them. When you you begin to speak them, you say, that's what I want to happen in my life. Because Jesus told us in Mark 11... Whatsoever you saith, that's what you'll have it. And so he says, take no thoughts saying. When thoughts come to me that are contrary to God's word, fear thoughts, thoughts of hopelessness, thoughts of helpless, I say, Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. Get out of here. I'm not letting you into my head. And then I quote a scripture. But he says, take no thoughts saying, what are we going to eat? Look what gas is up to again. You know how much milk costs this week? Why did you see that? They just put new tax on gas. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? He said, don't say that. 
He tells us what to do. He says, don't, don't, don't say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Where are we going to be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. After all these things. Do you know that, that the world, non-covenant people, they're not seeking God? They're seeking the things. And, you know, I, I hear people say things like, if I could only win the lottery. And if you've ever seen any stories about those lottery people that win the lottery, usually within about three years, they're filing bankruptcy because they blew it all on wrong things and they went under because they had no self-control. We got the fruit of the Spirit. We have self-control. So anyway, he says, all these things do the non-covenant people seek. Your heavenly Father has not a clue what things cost on earth. Is that what that says? Your heavenly Father doesn't know what you're tempted to do. He says, your Father knoweth you have need of what? Things, things, things. Cars are a thing. Gasoline's a thing. Shoes for the kids are things. Education money is things. He says he knows who you are. He knows where you live. He knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first. Well, if I don't have something else going on Sunday, I might go to church. But if, if I get a better offer, if I get a better offer, you won't see me till this baseball season's over with. Then I'll be back. That's not what he said. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things shall be added, not subtracted. And so when I look at that, I think about what I learned years ago. I really sought the Lord on that about seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all I think of was seeking to get born again. I thought, I'm already saved. I've got the kingdom of God. And so when I looked at that, what that literally says, first of all, go for the expansion of God's kingdom, and that God will take care of everything else you need. And the older I get, I'm just seeing more and more people going to heaven or going to hell. I like to watch old TV shows, and I'll see these old famous movie stars that were famous in their day, and I know they're dead now, and all I can think of is I hope they were saved. I hope they were saved. And think about baseball stars, and all I can think of, man, I hope they were saved. I hope they went to heaven. And so for my myself, I'm going to keep on living like I've lived for the last 43 years. I'm going to keep on putting Jesus first. I'm going to put church first. I'm going to put loving people first. Every paycheck I get, the money comes into my hands. I'm going to move the decimal point over one spot, as that's 10%, and give it to Jesus. And then if he tells me to give more to things, I'm going to give more to things. And then you know what I, I find out? Everything I need is added unto me. I've had so many things happen this year of people giving me money, and I've had some major repairs that were paid for by God. I thought, wow, that's the kingdom of God. He's added these things to me. And so I just want to encourage you, encourage you, don't just be a born-again Christian that has fire insurance. What's fire insurance? It means you know you're not going to hell. you got the blood of Jesus. You're going to heaven. So... Don't just have fire insurance, but have security insurance today, knowing no matter what comes your way, God's going to take care of it. Amen. <clears throat> Keep putting Jesus first. Hallelujah. Let's stand up, make our financial faith confession. And then we're going to have some good worship. And Pastor Dave, uh, what does he say about me all the time? Got a hot one. <laughs> He's going to do it. All right.
As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord. Meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give justice in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus.
it, you're working. Even when I feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. that your word would have free course and accomplish all that you send it forth to do this evening. May we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, and may we have soft hearts to receive the seed of the word of God this evening. Lord, speak to us and help us change to be more and more like you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord some praise tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated this evening. We're going to go ahead and get into the Word of God together tonight. And I know you're excited. Uh, hey, who knows what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights for the past five weeks? The fruit of the Spirit, everybody. Yes. All right. We're getting this. The fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, you know, we've got the Sunday mornings going on with our grown-up series. Wednesday nights going on with the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, and so I hope that we're learning a lot over these summer months as we've been digging a little deeper into the Word of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, we have done five already. So tonight we're on part six. And so does anybody know what the sixth fruit of the Spirit? is listed. Yeah, it's goodness. I knew you knew it. Yeah, come on. Goodness, everybody. Wow, good... Man, you guys are on top of it. All right. So for review, uh, actually for our main text, let's go to Galatians chapter five, Galatians five. And we're going to look at verses 22 through 23, the fruit of the spirit, everybody. And uh, we'll do a little review here uh, because we we had a week off from it last week. Uh, but Galatians five, and we're going to look at verses 22 through 23 and this is i mean you 
a very well-known passage of scripture, but we're digging deeper here. So Galatians 5, starting at verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Let's say it together, but you got to say it like you mean it. I want to feel it tonight. All right. So here's the fruit. Let's go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, self-control everybody. And it says there is no law against these things. There is no law against these things. And so a little bit of review to get us caught up here, the fruit of the spirit, uh, we could also describe it as the proof of the spirit in your life. Now the fruit of the spirit, this isn't proof that you've been uh, filled with or baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is the proof that you have been born of the Spirit of God. Do you get that tonight? That, that the fruit of the Spirit, this is what your life looks like when you are a born again Christian. Amen. And so there's nine things listed here. And we have continually said this all summer long that if somebody were to describe your life in nine words, the ideal picture is that they use these nine words. All right. And so, you know, again, we, we, we've said this so many times, but we're playing review here. So, so if someone came up and said, could you describe Alexis Cockman in nine words or less? And I would say, yeah, easy love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. <laughs> and, and, and so that's the ideal setting. The, 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 uh, the, 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 the nightmare situation is, could you describe this person in words? Yeah. Hateful, mean, terrible, rude, awful. I mean, that's the, that's the nightmare scenario. And there's nobody in here that we could use any of those words about, but the fruit of the spirit is the proof that the Holy Spirit, amen, is, is, has, has got a hold of you and that you are living for Jesus. Now, again, another fun fact about fruit is fruit grows. It doesn't just pop up on the branch overnight fully grown. And so I, again, I grew up out in the country. We had an apple orchard out on our property. I, I don't know how many trees that was, but like nine trees or something. And, and so we would see it, you know, in the springtime, you'd see a little bud on the branch. And then over the course of the summer, it got bigger and bigger and bigger because it was growing till it reached a stage of maturity. And in your life, as we look at these nine things, you may look at one of those and say, I don't think that I'm very, you know, I, I, I don't have that going on in my life. Well, listen, don't be super hard on yourself in this regard because you haven't fully arrived yet in any of these nine areas because none of us have except for Jesus. Amen. And so in that regard, uh, you know, if you aren't perfect in love, joy, peace, patience, in any of these things, then okay, that's, you know, none of us are perfect, but... There should be growth. Amen. If there's no growth at all happening in these areas, then something is wrong somewhere. Amen. And so if we were to go out to our apple trees around September, or October, and there's just simply nothing on them at all, then I'd say, oh, that's something, something's not right. We should at least have something going on here. It may not be perfection, but there should be some level of development taking place on this apple tree, or else we could say this is a very 
very unhealthy tree. Amen. And so in our Christian life, none of us have reached full, full, uh, uh, perfect maturity in these, but there should be growth taking place in all nine of these areas in our life. Can we get an amen tonight? All right. So tonight, out of the whole list of nine, tonight is my most challenging topic, believe it or not. This is the most challenging one for me because we looked at kindness last time and now we're looking at goodness. And on the surface level, I guarantee I could ask nearly anybody, what's the difference? And I don't know anybody without studying that could just simply point out the difference between kindness and goodness. And so I've had to dig deep into the theological uh, archives and study this up, but it's okay. I like that. And so it, it seems almost strange that kindness and goodness are both listed as individual fruit of the spirit. Uh, but tonight we're going to point out the difference because there is a difference between kindness and goodness. They are not totally the same thing, though they do go hand in hand together. All right. And so we're going to look at uh, what the difference is between the two. And we're going to see what goodness really means in the Christian life. Who thinks they could use a little goodness on their tree? Amen. All right. I think we could all use a little goodness on the tree tonight. Amen. And so let's pray. And then we're going to dig into the word of God tonight. Amen. And we're going to learn some things this evening. Father, in Jesus name, I thank you, Lord, for your word and that your word is truth, Lord. And you said that if we would know the truth, the truth would set us free. And so I pray tonight that as we open the word of God and study together, that you're going to show us the things we need to see. And Lord, we're looking to grow and be become more and more mature as Christians. And so we thank you for this chance in the name of Jesus. Can someone say amen? All right. Number one, we're going to talk about the difference between kindness and goodness. All right. Number one, we're going to talk about the difference between kindness and goodness. All right. So, so let's start off with saying this, that kindness has a whole lot to do with your attitude in life. Kindness has a lot more to do about attitude. Goodness has a lot more to do about action. Okay. And so when I'm talking about kindness and in a few minutes, we'll, we'll look at a very great Bible story regarding this, but, but kindness is all about attitude. Goodness is actually about the next level and taking action. And so what does kindness mean? Well, very simply, and we said this uh, when we started kindness, be nice to people. Amen. Who thinks that it's a very Christian quality to be nice to other people and not be a selfish jerk? Amen. I mean, I don't think I don't think I'm digging too deep, you know, for this. Uh, but but I, I just feel that's a very Christian like thing to do to actually just simply be nice and 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 kind. And that's what kindness is. Kindness means being nice to people. What does goodness mean? Goodness means doing good to people. Amen. And so goodness is a whole lot about taking the action steps of 
the kind attitude. And, and just like we've seen with each fruit so far, one leads right in to the other. They're all connected to each other. And, and so operating in kindness and the, and the, the fruit of kindness will lead you right in to operating in the area of goodness. Amen. And so in other words, if you have the right kind attitude, it will lead you to doing good things for other people. And we looked a couple weeks ago at the story of the Good Samaritan. Does anybody remember that and how awesome it was? I know you loved it so much, so we're going to do the exact same thing again tonight, all right? Luke chapter 10, let's go. Well, I heard that story. Well, good for you. You need to hear it again. Luke 10. I love that when someone's like, man, we've heard that story already. Wow, you are just such an advanced Christian. You learned everything there is to know about that in one setting. That is absolutely incredible. I like something that Kenneth Hagin said. You know, someone talked about, someone came up to him one time and said, I've heard you preach on Mark chapter 11. You probably have 10 different sermons out of that, those two verses right there. And he's like, I do not have 10 sermons out of those two verses. I've got over 50. And so, and, and he's, and someone's like, well, I've heard you, I've heard that taught about before. And he's like, yeah, well, I've ate a good steak before once too, but that doesn't mean I never want it again. Amen. If it's good, I want to, I'll do it every day. You know what? I'll, I'm good for a steak every single day. I don't know about you guys, but Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look, we're going to read the, starting in verse 30, Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. Now, I believe that this story best exemplifies the fruits of kindness and goodness all in the exact same story. And so Luke chapter 10. And we're going to uh, go ahead and pick up right here at verse 30. It's awesome. So Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. This is His trip is off to a bad start already. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. What a bad spot to be in. By chance, a priest came along. And so, again, last time we said, I mean, this, if you're the man naked laying on the side of the road beat up, you're probably like, oh, thank God, here comes a preacher. If there's anybody that'll help me out. It's the preacher. And what happens? (laughs) The priest, the preacher, what does he do? When he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. I mean, is that kindness or goodness in any way whatsoever? No, that's awful. I mean, that's the, that is the absolute worst case scenario right there. And so he crosses by on the other side of the road. Verse 32, next, a temple assistant walked over. So we've got a church employee. We've got somebody on, you know, on the staff. They, he, he walks over and he just looks at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side of the road. Can you imagine this? You're laying there all beat up and someone from church walks by. They literally walk up, look down at you and just walk away. What a terrible, terrible thing to happen. And so this story's off to a, just a very bad start. And so this guy passes by verse 33. And then a despised Samaritan came along. And so now he's thinking, oh man, if the church people didn't help, certainly the Samaritan is not going to help the Jewish man laying here naked on the side of the road beat up. Why? Because Jewish people and Samaritans couldn't stand each other. They had a race thing going 
going on. And they flat out didn't like each other one bit. And so he's thinking, man, if this day couldn't get any worse, this guy will probably just kick me while I'm down. But what happens here? When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Oh, my goodness. Verse 34. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, Which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. And so mercy and kindness and and goodness, these are all very near words to each other. Uh, but but let's look at some of the differences here. In verse 33, you see this moment of kindness, the initial spark, the attitude of kindness that you see that it says the Samaritan felt compassion for this guy. And, and so that's the, that, I mean, that's the, that's the first uh, kickoff to taking some action and doing something right here. He had the, the, this fruit of kindness was evident in this man's life. He sees somebody in a bad spot and he feels compassion for him. And, and so there's plenty of people who feel sorry for someone or, you know, who have this, you know, moment of, well, I feel bad there. I have compassion, but that's not enough. It's only the first step. And so in verse 34, we see kindness progress over to goodness because he actually does something about it. And, and, and so we have a, a problem in this world with way too many people that they see something bad taking place or they see a need or a situation and they're like, oh, you poor thing. And then they just move on and don't do anything about it. Like, okay, thank you. I mean, feeling bad and pity for someone, I, you know, how kind of you, but, but, but that doesn't really fix the problem, does it? Uh, just feeling sorry for a situation or for somebody, that's nice, but it doesn't do anything to fix the problem. And so this man, the Samaritan, takes it to the next level. He, he, he bandages the wound himself, puts the man on his own donkey, takes him to the end, and then it specifically says he nursed him. He he took care of the man himself. And on top of it all, he gives money to the innkeeper and says, hey, just take care of him. If it costs more than this, just keep a tab and I'll pay the rest when I get there. I mean, this is a whole other level of goodness. Who thinks that that was the right thing to do? I mean, that, that's an incredible thing to do right here. Now, Jesus is our ultimate example of every fruit of the Spirit. He was fully mature in all nine, all nine fruit. You understand that, right? He was perfection at love. 
perfection at joy and at peace. He had reached perfection, right? Because he's Jesus in all nine of these. And so the absolute best example to look at scripturally of any of these would be to look at the life of Jesus himself. Who's glad that Jesus has kindness towards you? Well, what does that mean? He sees you in your need. He sees you trapped in sin. And, and he's like, oh man, that, oh man, uh, his heart, he is moved with compassion. The scripture says, as I'll show you in a minute, but I'm glad that Jesus didn't just stop at the feeling of compassion. Who knows that Jesus by his goodness and his grace put action to your problem. And he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. He was beaten and by his stripes and wounds, we have been healed. Amen. Jesus took action because Jesus is goodness. Who knows that tonight? Jesus is full of goodness. And we use these phrases all the time. God is good. All the time, right? I grew up in Pentecostal in the nineties. And so there was this bit, every church in America that was Pentecostal. I could go anywhere in America to any Pentecostal church. And we all did the same thing. God is good brother. And you were to instantly repeat all the time. And then they would say, and all the time, God is good. Amen. And so, Hey, it was, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But, but Hey, do you really believe it? Is God good? Do you even know what that means? <laughs> that, that means that he takes action for your problems and troubles. He does something about it. And as a Christian, I am to be a Christ-like one. It ain't good enough as a Christian to just say, man, there's problems everywhere and not do anything about it. There's enough people that can point out the problems in life, right? I mean, it's like, okay, good for you. You've got eyeballs in your skull. Good job. Yeah. All right. Listen, uh, that's not good enough. As a Christian, I am called to grow in the fruit of goodness. And I want to show you something here. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. And we're going to look at a couple examples of Jesus himself. This is Jesus. <laughs> Some people are like, you're such a professional speaker. Can you give us notes on it? That's not what you do. You never cough into the microphone. I thought I had it turned off in time. So if you're on live stream, you just got a loud dose of a cough. Amen. So <clears throat> Matthew chapter 14, I want to show you a couple of stories here of Jesus operating in kindness and in goodness. <clears throat> now let, let's look at this. Matthew chapter 14, we see the story of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, being beheaded. And people are like, man, nothing gets to Jesus. Well, this one got to Jesus. He was very upset <clears throat> when he learned that John had been beheaded. And, uh, and it's just a whole 
nasty story. Uh, but, but Jesus, he hears about John <clears throat> being beheaded and, and, and he's really sad and Jesus needed a minute, believe it or not. And so Jesus gets in the boat and goes off to the other side of the water to be alone for just a minute. Amen. He needed a minute, but everyone tracks him down with their problems yet again. And, and uh, Jesus, we know you wanted to be alone, but could you please fix all of our problems? And so Matthew 14 verses 13 and 14. Now, if there's any time that Jesus could have just said, can you guys give me like five minutes to grieve? Please, don't you get the message? I came over here to be alone. But that's not what Jesus did. John 14 and verse 13, it says, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed him on foot from many towns. Look at this, verse 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them. Here's this kindness thing. And healed their sick. There's the goodness thing. He was moved with compassion and he did something about it right there. And so again, if you're going to be a person that is a mature Christian and operates in the the fruit of the spirit, I'm telling you now, mature Christianity is super inconvenient sometimes. I'm just going to tell you that right now. And nobody wants to hear that. But God's going to ask you to do things at moments that you flat out don't feel like doing it. It's the truth of the matter. And immature Christians will say, you know what? Find someone else. I am not in the mood right now to help them out, especially her, okay? And, you know, uh, she had the audacity to wear the same outfit I wore to church last week. She's on her own, okay? You know, and that's I love that. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not going to go there because I don't have time. But one of the things that just cracks me up is how, you know, if a guy shows up wearing the exact same outfit as another guy, they're like, dude, oh, my gosh, yeah, woo, yeah. And... If two women show up wearing the same thing, I can't believe her. Dude, I don't get that. I think it's cool. It's it's awesome, you know. Nobody wore this shirt tonight. This thing is wild. So anyway, but but check it out. Jesus, this is the ultimate example, right? He shows up and it is not the time. He needs a minute. Everyone shows up and says, hey, we know you've got a problem, but could you fix all of our problems for us? And he says, you know what? Yes, I got this. He's moved with compassion and he heals them. Now look at the very next chapter. One more thing, because if you were to read the following verses from where we were just at, Jesus not only heals all of them, he goes on to feed the 5,000 in that exact same story right there. And so chapter 15, look at chapter 15. Jesus is kindness. He is goodness. But look at Matthew 15 and verse 32. And so here's Jesus. He had been preaching. The crowds gathered. Verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. 
I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. And so you read the rest of that story. Jesus feeds over 4,000 people in Matthew 15. And in Matthew 14, he fed over 5,000 men, not including the women and children. And so I'm looking at this story and this is the goodness of God. Does Jesus owe them a meal? I don't think he owes them a meal. They came of their own free will. They came, they, hey, they came to him. But Jesus, because of his kindness and goodness, he's like, you know what? Boys, feed them, all right? They're going to get hungry. I don't want anyone fainting along the way home. And I love that about Jesus. He's always going the extra mile for all of us because of his goodness. He doesn't owe me a meal. He doesn't owe me anything. Yet he continually pours out his goodness and his grace on my life every single day. It is so much more than I could ever deserve. But thank God, it's the goodness and the grace of God. Have you ever noticed how the word good is only one letter short of God in the English language? It's only one letter short of the word God. And I was reading how when the English language was being formed, and I'm sure you're interested in this, so bear with me. I start to tell these nerdy stories and I'm like, like, where's he going with this? Just, you know, humor me, okay? I like this stuff. But I was reading how when the English language was being formed and, and, and these people, the Anglos and Saxons, were coming to faith in Christ, they had to choose a word for God. And they wanted to choose the word, they, you know, they, they didn't know everything in the world, but they wanted, the, the best way they could describe God was good. And so when they were forming the English language for the word God, they wanted to be as close to the word good as they could get it. And so that's exactly what they did. And so in English, not every language in the world, but in English, the word God and the word good are only just one letter apart from each other because that's they, all they knew was, hey, God is good. Let's do it. God is good. And all the time. Dude, I feel like it's 1997 all over again. Amen. Woo! I'm going to go get me a Snapple and just party tonight. It's going to be great. All right. Uh, where was I? Okay, number two. Number two. You guys are so awesome that you put up with some of this stuff. Uh, number two. We're going to talk about goodness a little bit. All right? So, goodness does good to others. We're talking about goodness. Goodness does good to others. Now, that doesn't sound deep, but... Like we said earlier, kindness is about the, the heart and the attitude. Goodness is the action aspect. And so it's one thing to acknowledge the word of God, and it's another thing to do the word of God. For the sake of time, just put this verse on the screen. Everyone that goes to church here should know this verse. I'm just, I'm being flat out. You've got to know James 1.22, but I quote this every time that we have a service. But James 1.22, let's say it together, everybody, because I know you know it. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And so somebody that hears the word, but doesn't ever do it. They're a deceived person. And so a big, massive part of Christianity is doing. It's taking action. Amen. Somebody that just sits there and never, you know, participates or contributes or does anything is not a healthy Christian. You can't be. 
You gotta be a doer of the word of God. My dad always tells this story. Hopefully I tell it right, but well, he doesn't always tell it. He occasionally tells it. <laughs> but about how when we were going through a really hard time when I was a, a little kid, uh, he had some friends who one day told him, man, God sure was putting you on our hearts over the weekend. We had this great big dinner and man, we had a feast and we had all this food sitting around. We sure thought about inviting you over to share some of it, but you know, hey, we prayed for you. Okay. And so my dad was like, I wish you would have. <laughs> it would have been nice, man. And why? We needed it. We were starving. It was, you know, there were some rough times back there. But the, the moral of the story is this, people. If God is speaking to you about helping someone, do it. Be a good person. Be a good Christian. If God is putting someone on your heart... He's knocking on the door, okay? If God is putting someone on your heart, as a mature Christian, it's not good enough to just say, oh, bless their darling heart. I hope they're okay. <laughs> I hope they make it. That's not good enough. Do something about it, man. If you're in a bad spot, and, and, and listen, sometimes we're praying, man. You're like, God, I, I've got this going on. We, I just need some help right now. Could you, could you speak to somebody? And hey, Lo and behold, God speaks to somebody, but they don't do anything about it. And then you're sitting there like, oh man, why didn't you speak to somebody? He's like, I did. I, I told him right there. He, he just didn't do anything about it. He said, bless their darling heart and didn't do anything. And so listen, as you're growing in the Lord, when God is putting someone on your heart and showing you something that they, man, maybe they need some help. Maybe if nothing else, Pray and, and then take action, reach out and say, hey, are you guys okay? God's just been putting you on my heart. And if you know for a fact that something's going on and, you know, you have the means to help them, I mean, praise the Lord. Do it. Be a doer. Take action. Amen. It's not just kindness. We're talking about goodness. And so Jesus, we saw several stories already. He was Moved with compassion, but then he did something about it. The Christian thing to do is to be moved with compassion and then do something about it. Amen? Are we going too deep tonight? Be honest, because I don't feel this is deep. I feel this is pretty, pretty, very elementary, but it's the truth of the matter. If God is speaking to you about helping someone be a doer of the word. And the more that we've studied the fruit of the spirit over these weeks, it's incredible to me how much it's all wrapped around the very first fruit, agape love. Every one of these is closely connected to the agape, unconditional love of God. Let's real quick look at Luke 6, 27. I don't want to run out of time. I got to move quick. Luke 6, 27. And so it's all, we're talking about, they're all connected to the agape love of God, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. And so Luke 6, 27, I'm going to go fast here. Jesus said, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love or agape your enemies. But check this out. Check this out. He says, do good to those who hate you. He specifically uses the phrase, do good, do good. And so the first way that Jesus said to show love here is to do 
good. Say that with me. Do good to those that love me and are my fans and that are just off. No, he's talking about your enemies right here. He says, if you're willing to listen, do good to your enemies. Now, you know, I was going to go deeper into that, but I don't have time. But I want to say this. Doing good, obviously, isn't only about loving our enemies, because Galatians gives us another group of people that you're especially supposed to do good to. Especially supposed to do good to. Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6.10. Amen. Galatians 6 and verse 10. So, according to Jesus, he says, hey, love your enemies. First of all, do good. That means take action to those who hate you. But Galatians 6.10, it says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good. Someone say do good. To everyone, but especially to those in the family of faith. And so I'm supposed to do good to everybody, but especially to my Christian brothers and sisters. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. And so no doubt about it, we, there's two main groups of people we're supposed to do good to. I mean, everyone, yes. But Jesus talked about enemies. And then Galatians tells us the family of faith. And one thing that I find humorous is how hard the people of this world are on Christians. You know, they call us names and, you know, all these funny things all the time. But the truth of the matter is this. American Christians give over $32 billion a year to world missions in other countries. Nobody else does that. American individual Christians, $32 billion a year to give other nations, medical aid, uh, schools, libraries. We have somebody in this congregation that literally has built a couple of entire libraries in the Philippines. That's incredible. And, and, and all this other stuff. Yes, I, and, and, and you want to sit there and talk about how mean and terrible the Christians are? Yeah, I'll tell you right now, this world is a lot better off with us Christians in it. And it's going to stink for them when we get sucked out of here soon in the rapture. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be bad. <laughs> How do you like me now? Amen. <laughs> they're, they're, I've been hitting the country music a little hard lately. You can ask the kids. I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be begging for us to be back, but we're going to be gone and, and this, they're not going to like it. But listen, Christians, this all ties back to the fruit of the spirit. We do good. And, and, and I'm not bragging on any individual one of us, but hey, I'm proud to be a Christian. <laughs> I'm proud to be a part of this family. Worldwide, man, the things that the Christian family has accomplished because of their flat out, the goodness of God working in their lives is absolutely incredible. I was thinking about when we remember several years ago, we just this church alone did that whole well over in India uh, when they had that poison well over there with, for Julius. And we just, you know, we raised several thousand dollars, just gave them a whole well, a whole a whole water purification system. And it changed their lives forever. Why? Because there's a goodness of God in our hearts where as Christians, we see a need, but we do something about it. That's called 
the goodness of God. And number three, I got to wind down, but number three, uh, we're talking about uh, the fruit of the spirit. Goodness, we do good to others. Number three, goodness does good for God. We do, we do good for God. Now we don't do good things to earn God's love, but we do good things because we love him so much, right? Yeah, you know, and I know, I know you're, you're with me on this, that all the good things we all do, we don't go around bragging about them and tooting our own horn and everything. Well, you know, we do good not for attention and certainly not to make God love us anymore because we couldn't possibly, but when you love someone, don't you want to do good for them? Don't you? I mean, if you really love someone, you want to do good for them. You, you, you want to do good by them. You want to do good for them. And as a Christian, I know that I can never pay Jesus back for what he's done for me. I know that. But I have this deep desire in my heart to live the best life I can possibly live for him as a way of honoring him as a way of, of, of giving him thanks. I want to please the father and, and, and make him proud because God is a good father. Who knows that? He's, he's a good father. And in any healthy father to child relationship, the kid should want to make the dad proud. Not to, man, if I could just do good enough, I could finally make dad love me. No, no, but, but I, I do want to do good and, and honor my father, honor the family name. I, I do want to do good for these reasons. And I've seen many people who either had a difficult relationship with their dad or people who came from a legalistic, overboard, religious background that feel like if they can do enough good deeds or deprive themselves enough, torture themselves, themselves enough that they will atone for their sins and God will eventually love them. Well, give up now because you'll never atone for your own sins because you can't. Jesus atoned for our sins. Amen. Jesus paid the price for my sins because there's no way I could have ever done it. And, and it's by his goodness and by his grace that we are saved. And I want to look at one more thing tonight. Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 in the New King James. Amen. And so, who knows that Jesus has definitely shown us kindness and goodness. Who knows that? Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. And it tells us this, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And so you're saved by, by grace. Amen. Saved by grace through faith. You didn't do anything. You just received it. Verse nine, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Look at this. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so, so many people, yes, yeah, the grace of God, man, I don't need to do any good work. Not, no, listen, you've been saved for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we weren't saved by doing good works, but we were saved for 
doing good works. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? And so as we look at the fruit of the spirit, you know, again, I, I, I think that goodness is kind of one of the more <laughs> difficult ones to teach on and, and preach about tonight. Had to kind of, you know, uh, dig a little deep on this one, but Jesus is the ultimate example. And he poured out his love unconditionally for each and every single one of us. And he did it uh, because of kindness and grace. And, and then it moved into this area of goodness. God has been so good to us. Amen. And, and we are to, uh, we're to be Christ-like. We're, we're to, to try to be more and more like him every single day. And so my encouragement for all of us through this tonight is we got to have this spark of kindness as a Christian where we do have compassion. We do have mercy for others, but it can't stop right there. It's got to cross over into this area of goodness. And goodness means being a doer and taking some action towards helping the situation or helping whatever it is the Lord is telling us to do. All right. Does that make sense to anybody tonight? Amen. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wind down there. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and we're going to stand up together tonight. Amen. And so goodness is taking action. Hallelujah. I'm going to have our prayer team come forward this evening. Amen. And I'll have my have, uh, brother Alex uh, just Lead us with some music there this evening. Hallelujah. Filling in for Pastor Josh. Good job, my man. Good job. So if you're here and you need prayer for anything, we would love to be in agreement with you tonight. We'd love to see the Lord work in your situation. Love to release our faith with you. And so if you need prayer, come on up. We want to pray with you. If not, just worship the Lord or pray where you're at. And uh, Alex will be... uh, leading us musically here in a little worship. I don't think he's going to sing for us though.
we're going to go ahead and wind down tonight. Did anybody learn anything from the Word of God this evening? Amen. All right. Well, next week's going to be fun, so be here for that. But what is happening this Friday at 6 o'clock? The pool party. Everybody needs to be there. Friday uh, from 6 to 8 at Henderson Pool. We've rented the whole thing, so we have it all to ourselves. We're going to have an awesome time. I know there's a lot of back-to-school nights that night, but hey, do that and then still call on out to the pool party. We want we want the whole family there, so be there with us. And again, it's free. It's not going to cost you anything, but we just like to have a really good time together. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago in July, we, we had the big church barbecue on a Sunday night. That was such a fun family time together. Uh, man, there's a couple hundred of us just as a big family, just hanging out, man, and then celebrating Jesus and celebrating each other. And so I'll, I've said it and I'll say it again. There is zero excuse to be lonely or, you know, uh, isolated when you're a part of the church family. Amen. We are doing things like this, not because, you know, we've got nothing else to do. We're doing it because we love each other and we want you to meet other friends. We want you to know other people in the church. And so this is your chance. And so, you know, if you don't come to these events, don't ever tell me that you've got no friends and that, you you know, you don't know anybody. I'm, I'm not being mean, but that's your fault. Okay. You know, there's chances for you to get out and mingle. And I, is that mean? Am I being mean? I don't think I'm being mean. So anyway, I love you, but take advantage of these things that we're doing because we just love you and we want to be together as a family. Amen. Let's close in prayer. We'll do the Barstow Faith Confession and then you are dismissed. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, you are so good to us. You are so kind to us. We thank you that it's by the grace and the goodness of God that we have been saved through faith. And Lord, uh, we, we, we love you and we want to be more and more like you. And so as we've studied the fruit of the Spirit tonight, Lord, kindness and goodness, I thank you that we are growing in these areas in our life, Lord. And, and that we know that growing means that it's uncomfortable sometimes, that we're going to be stretched uh, out of our comfort zone and, and to do things that maybe we haven't done for you before. But Lord, we want to grow. We don't want to stay where we're at. And so, Lord, I pray that we have these opportunities for growth and that we will take them. We love you so much. You are so, so good to us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right, let's say it together, everybody. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We'll see you Friday.